Now then, 7.40. As South Korea's birth rate remains alarmingly low, the spectre of a social crisis lies ahead. And we strive to better understand why government countermeasures haven't worked. I mean, they've been trying them for years. And, and what else could be done beyond, say, like increasing those monthly payments for new parents or, or trying to make life a bit easier for newlyweds and that sort of thing. Um, is the low fertility rate more of a symptom, though, than a cause of economic gloom? A study found the pregnancy rate in the US fell several months before we acknowledged a recession there, almost as if couples knew it was coming. Let's bring in Dr. Daniel Hungerman, economics professor at the University of Notre Dame. Good morning to you from Seoul. Hi there. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. So, I mean, it's very interesting, of course, to view things in this way because it it really is a different strategy tackling a symptom rather than a, a cause of a problem. Yeah, there's there's been lots of studies that um, have examined the relationship between uh, the economy or the business cycle and fertility, but um, we were unaware of any work that, that took quite the same angle as the one that we take in our study. So how did the study come about, though? Uh, what, what led you to start suspecting this link? Actually, it came about just from uh, observing basic information about the birth rate in the United States soon after the Great Recession began. Uh, it was widely reported that births in the United States fell in 2008, the first year of the Great Recession, which when you first hear it, sounds like it makes sense. A recession begins, fewer children are born. That's a well-documented relationship. But of course, if births are going down in 2008, those are children that were conceived uh, before the recession began. And putting that together uh, led me and my co-authors to say, hey, let's take a look at this more carefully and see if, in fact, we see a pattern of conceptions declining before recessions begin. It struck me a few times in the past, though, that some of this is animal nature. Uh, anybody who's ever tried to lead a, a breeding program uh, among any species will, will, will know that uh, if conditions are not right, animals just will not um, do that. They will not produce life. Of course, humans are, are complex and our societies and motivations might uh, be very different from uh, your average animal study. But, but, but is there, do you think, something in that, that this idea that 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 people will have a revulsion towards starting a family if they just feel that the economy is uh, is failing them. Yes, certainly. So it's um it's well known actually that uh when uh the economy does poorly fertility rates drop and when it does really well fertility rates increase. Um so so that basic business cycle fact that's something that's been observed in in many studies and in a number of different settings. Um uh, but of course, I agree with you that you know there are plenty of births that that are determined by all different sorts of phenomenon. But but that general pattern, uh, it's something that you see in a number of studies looking across you know the populations of nations as a whole. Yeah, I mean, we could talk at length about developing countries in poverty and continuing to have a high birth rate. But but what we're focusing on today is really this phenomenon of of developed countries, and we're seeing it across the world. This trend towards a lower birth rate. And I'd like to ask you as well about whether, 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 for example, 
when we talk about couples taking these decisions months before a recession is acknowledged, is that partly because of the lag in economic data reflecting reality? Yeah, that, that could be part of it. Um, also, uh, it potentially is a, a simple story of, you know, uh, having a child is, at least in many instances, a forward-looking decision. And so when couples sit down at the kitchen table or whatever and talk about, you know, having another kid is now the right time, uh, they may not be interested in macroeconomic conditions, whether the whole country is going into a recession soon, but they may be interested in whether or not their economic conditions are going to be on the up and up in the near future. If, you know, the husband's in line for that promotion or the wife feels good about her career situation. And so, you know, there's a bit of a wisdom of the masses potential here where lots of people making lots of decisions like that where they're thinking about their own future uh, might be able to tell us something or be indicative of what's going to happen for the economy as a whole in the coming months or years. Indeed. Sentiment is such a vital factor in, in, in creating economic conditions. But but do we see also uh, the trend continuing before we get out of a recession? Do, do people start to have more children even months before that's acknowledged widely? Actually, no, uh, we don't. Uh, the Great Recession in particular, it's a well-known recession for uh, having a jobless recovery where even as the economy began to improve, uh, the labor market was still uh, struggling. The same seems to be true here uh, with fertility. It's a babyless recovery, even as the Great Recession kind of ended and a lot of economic phenomenon uh, returned to pre-recession levels. Fertility uh, remained low and, and, in fact, has remained low in the United States in the years following it. And there's actually a bunch of work trying to explore, consider, you know, all the different factors that may be uh, driving fertility in the United States down in recent years. Well, we often look at GDP as a measure of economic performance, but would you suggest then that uh, more specific measures like just unemployment rate would be more revealing for things like the fertility rate? You know, believe it or not, actually, uh, we kind of go the other way around. So you might think the unemployment rate would be the most natural one in that if you're planning to have a kid, uh, you, you know, your own employment situation is probably the first thing that, that comes to your mind when you think about your own economic stability. And that's what most prior work has done. But uh, in our paper, we use uh, what we would call high-frequency data, data that's available not just every year but uh, every month or every quarter. And what we show is that fertility uh, changes before recessions begin, but uh, employment outcomes typically uh, happen after recessions begin. Uh, one of these phenomenon uh, changes before the business cycle moves, and the other changes after the business cycle moves. So we say in our paper, you know, everyone knows that employment matters, but when we do studies like this, we should uh, think about other things like GDP, which actually might be more closely related to changes in fertility um, than people had thought. And and whether or not the birth rate is a is a cause in itself or, or a symptom of the way couples or individuals are feeling, that one thing we can also say is that a low birth rate will have longer term economic consequences, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, what those consequences are, that might depend on uh, whether you're talking about the short term or the long term and might depend on whether you're talking about a, 
a developing economy or more developed economy. But, you know, certainly the, the, um, the channel here runs both ways. You could think about fertility decisions mattering for uh, an economy, and you could also think about economic performance affecting people's decisions to have kids. It goes both ways, no doubt. And there are lots of very different examples around the world, uh, despite there being an overall trend. Um, for example, the culture of South Korea, the attitude may be fairly conservative compared with some European nations where we still suffer from the same issue. What, what do you think it is about the developed world as well, culturally, that's, that's prompting this low birth rate trend? You know, there are, there are a bunch of different competing explanations. I'm not sure if I'm convinced that one of them has been identified as the sole, uh, you know, driver of this or, 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 you know, the most important driver of this. There have been um, important changes in the, the role of women, for example, um, uh, in the economy, uh, working more, becoming more educated, different, uh, uh, ch- different um, patterns of access and, uh, to contraception is something else that uh, might matter here. And, you know, a final explanation, it's hard to, to prove it, but I think it might be important, is simply that um, the way people interact with each other, young adults interact with each other, has changed a lot. Um, maybe if you're spending all your time on social media and playing video games, uh, it's, uh, you know, more difficult for you to get into trouble or, or start a family. It, it sounds a bit like a silly explanation, but there are a lot of scholars who are beginning to think that actually might be part of the explanation here, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a scientist on this, but I feel like anecdotal explanations are quite convincing on, on this, too. Like, if you look around you and and think, well, people seem to be maturing much more slowly today. I mean, in some ways, of course, they're exposed to the world much yeah, sure. sooner. But, but, te- but, like, delaying career decisions and family decisions until late 30s rather than you know even just decades ago when people would be taking those decisions in their even late teens and early 20s that obviously brings less scope for having many children yeah absolutely uh there are lots of measures of 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 delay as as you said and i think that is potentially an explanation here too um getting back to to what i mentioned earlier about a babyless recovery we also think that might be uh, a partial explanation for for why we don't see uh, a quick rebound in fertility after the end of the Great Recession. If uh, a number of women had been waiting until uh, later to have children and then the Great Recession uh, occurs, it's going to be more difficult for older women to retime those births that, that they had been planning to have that the recession prevented them from having or, or caused them to delay in having. Uh, it's going to be harder for older women to retime those sorts of births than it might be for younger women. Some um, people might be tempted yeah, def- to... Definitely. Sorry, carry on. Oh, just to, uh, just to reiterate in case that wasn't clear, just uh, as, as women get older and older, uh, when we see changes in the economy, yeah, it might be harder for we, women to respond to those changes by retiming. Right. Um, I was also just going to add that some people might be tempted that, to suggest that, that this is an issue of maternity or, or that we're moving away from traditional ways um, that religion might play less of a role in people's lives or the traditional family unit. But I think China's an interesting example because there we have very political reasons why you went from a very high birth rate to a very restricted birth rate. And then actually the country seems to have decided en masse that um, it's quite happy with a low birth rate. Yeah, absolutely. China is a very unique and uh, very, very well studied kind of uh, uh, particular example of a 
what might happen if uh, if you decide to encourage everyone to have uh, have fewer children. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, whether or not the same consequences will follow in a place like the United States from, from having fewer kids or Korea, um, I don't think we know that yet, though. Based on your research, though, how, like if you had to come up with a a vague diagram of factors here would, would you say that still those economic questions are more relevant at this point than the cultural ones or, or would you say they would have um, equal weighting that's a great question i think that uh certainly for most economists and most of the the history of scholarship on this in the last 20 or 30 years a huge amount of emphasis has been put on the economic factors, and understandably so, they're really important. A lot of the work in my career, however, is, is actually focusing exactly on the sorts of cultural factors that, that you're, you're, you're bringing up here. And I think that they're undervalued. So, so are they more important than the economic ones? I'm not sure, but, but I am very confident in saying that I think they're very important, and they, they definitely deserve more attention from researchers in the future. What we can say as well, after years of studying South Korea, uh, just living here, whether we studied it actively or not, uh, is that giving families small financial incentives to have children doesn't really work. Uh, Our birth rates continue to slow down despite those incentives being in place. Trying to handle daycare, for example, trying to um, Mm -hmm. slowly but surely change the way women are treated in the workplace. Perhaps we've not been effective enough on that yet to judge fully. What would you say the main takeaways of your study would be for the governments around the world who are trying to find solutions? Uh, that's a tough one uh, in that, you know, finding solutions to that sort of issue. You're right. Uh, it, it has proven kind of difficult. And, you know, Korea is not, of course, the only country that's been thinking hard about that. Um, you know, if I come up with a great solution for that particular issue, uh, I'll be sure to I'll be sure to let you know. But but honestly, I'm not sure if I've uh, heard about or come across any evidence of a magic bullet on on that particular issue. But uh, I'm just thinking out loud here. I I think back yeah. to the China example, the, the way that the whole culture towards babies shifted because of political changes or impositions. Perhaps the reverse could also be true. In other words, you have to bring about a mass cultural shift somehow. It's not enough just to say to people, well, here's a, an allowance. Yeah, um, it is also um, potentially easier in some settings, to take the China example again, to, to, um, to discourage or, or to prohibit uh, uh, additional fertility. Um, you know, but to, to increase it, uh, is going to require, uh, I think, as you said, uh, a potential shift or change in cultural values uh, or, or other sentiments of, of, of a country, its institution, so to speak. Whether that's an easy thing to do or the best way to do it, I don't know. I mean, there are definitely phenomena you can point to um, in scholarship that, that do matter for fertility. Um, you know, things like the weather or things like, uh, you know, how well your, your sports team is doing, actually. But... Um, you know, for a country to successfully, you know, manipulate some of this stuff to to try to change these fertility trends that we see in a lot of countries, the decline that we see in so many countries. Well, we've not come uh, up know, with a definitive answer, but we do have to leave it there, Dr. Right. Hungerman. Uh, right. Please do yeah. let us know when you find the solution. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to do that. Thank you very much for joining us today. I mean, and, and you sure. don't have to be a scientist 
or a professor to, to, to work out, looking around us here in Korea, if more and more young people are studying for longer and delaying those key life decisions, you're going to have less children. But who's going to tell your friend or your loved one, no, you should be the one to start having kids right out of high school or or right out of university. It, it, it's a difficult thing to say to someone as well, isn't it? And it often won't be their best advice. We'll continue with this morning after BBC World News.